Hello and welcome to another edition of Thrive in the Decline. I'm Josh Kubel. I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter. I love the topics. I like the way everything's a hot-button issue and it's all really current, and I even like some of the drama. There are a lot of smart people on Twitter, too. And then there are a lot of people who argue simply to argue. I mean, you can state a fact and they'll say you're wrong and then double down on it. <laughs> and then everyone will take to Google to find that knockdown punch that they really don't understand but won't hesitate to use when in reality, who cares? The people fighting won't be swayed and everyone will be back tomorrow ready to fight and swear and insult again. But I follow a lot of Christian apologists on Twitter and they all have their anti-Christian followers. Literally, every time Dr. Frank Turek posts, the same anti-Christian users will show up and mock and ridicule him, and they bring up the same infantile arguments over and over again, and they never really actually engage in what he actually tweets, or they never really learn to consider what he means. Well, one of the things that they say quite often is that God commanded genocide in the Old Testament. And for those who are simply looking for a meme or a quick, ill-informed attack, or just to make God or Christians look bad, you can pull a verse out of context and you can make it say whatever you want it to say, even that he did command genocide. But I'd like to look at one specific story. It's of the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. God didn't want Saul to be king. God wanted to rule his people himself, but, well, here's some backstory. So long before Saul, God wanted his people in the promised land, and he called Abraham, and then event after event, then into and out of Egypt, and finally, his people are there in the promised land. But one of the reasons that God wanted them there was so that the entire world would see them, his people, and know as they looked at his people what God was like. And because he wanted them to represent him to the world, they'd have to be holy because they're his people. So there were these other people in the promised land who were sacrificing their own children to gods, who were using torture as entertainment, who were sexually promiscuous in their worship practices, and way more. And they had to be removed so God could be known through the inhabitants of this land. And we're thinking, so what? Why not let those people stay? Well, God told his people to drive them out because he knew what would happen if they didn't. And it's exactly what did happen over and over again. His people lived next to these Canaanites, started to see their ways of worship, and they liked them more than their own. And before long, God's people were sacrificing their own children to the gods and worshiping these foreign gods. And God says, you're my people. When others see you, they see me. And if you're killing your own kids so gods will increase the size of your harvest, it kind of gives me a bad name. <laughs> so for years, God's people would return to God and then walk away from God over and over again. When they walked away, God would let them walk away, and usually it was into the arms of their enemies. They'd then get tired of being ruled by their enemies and cry out to God for rescue, and he would raise up judges and more to rescue them. And then they would start to worship God again for, oh, 20 to 30 years, and then they would follow the cultures around them, doing the same awful things that they did, and this repeated itself over and over again. So after the period of the judges, we get to Saul, who was the first king of Israel. And God told Saul to destroy some of those people, the Amalekites, destroy the people, the animals. They were in the promised land leading God's people astray. They were killing their kids to worship their gods. They were using prostitutes in the temple. They would torture people for sport. They raided and murdered. They were barbaric. And some say... It's not fair that God would mandate the removal of the Amalekites, but those same people wouldn't have had any problem with God removing the Nazis during World War II. 
In fact, most people prayed that God would do just that. See, we want God's justice. We pray for our enemies to be taught lessons, but we also like to judge God. Oh yeah, the Amalekites did one more thing. Years before King Saul, when the people of God were leaving slavery in Egypt by the millions, I mean, you can imagine a group like that. The strongest in the group would lead the group from out in front, and they would be followed by the families, younger men, then older men, then the weaker would be behind them. And then after those millions moved through, there would be groups of stragglers that had trouble keeping up with the bigger group. These were older people. These were people without families. These were orphans. These were widows. These were the disabled stragglers. Well, the Amalekites, when the Hebrews were leaving Egypt, would raid, rob, and kill these stragglers because they were easy pickings. Back then, God said that one day the Amalekites will pay for this. But you may say, wait, God, maybe they'll get better over time. Well, they didn't, and history shows this. This is God judging the worst of humanity. This is God taking up for orphans and widows. This is God removing from the promised land those who would continually harm and lead his people away into barbaric acts. So back in the day, soldiers were often paid in plunder. In a war or battle, they'd keep whatever the enemy had when they died, right? Swords, shields, money, food, supplies. God told Saul, I want you to get rid of the Amalekites and I do not want you keeping any of the plunder. Why? God wanted everyone who saw this to see that God was sticking up for orphans and widows, that he was dealing with a significant and deadly threat to his people. And if his people kept plunder, people would question the motives when they looked at the acts. It wouldn't be about justice. It would be about money and power. So Saul ignored God's command and kept plunder. He kept the king and the best animals and lots more, actually, because later the Amalekites actually kidnapped David and his, his men's families. The Bible says what they actually did is they destroyed only what was not worth keeping. That's far from God's command. This is one of the reasons God made David king and that God removed Saul as king, because Saul profited off of God's righteous judgment. Remember, God wanted everyone in the world to look at the promised land, and as they saw how the people who lived in the promised land lived, that they would see what God was like. But instead, they saw a king profiting off of justice. Today, as we're looking at how our culture is in decline, these stories should come back to us too. God wants the world to look at the church, and in the same way, when they see his people, his church that they would see what he is like. When our preachers make millions taking advantage of the poor, or when we live sexually promiscuous lives, or when we embrace and justify the same sinful practices that the world does, when we're just as obsessed with celebrity and rarely acknowledge those in pain and poverty around us, and when we forget that the whole reason we're here is for his glory, not for our glory, well, those around us don't see God. They see people who are using the gifts God gives for self-benefit. In other words, they see King Saul. And God had no use for King Saul. Thanks for joining me today, and we'll see you soon.